ان الحمد لله والصلاه والسلام على اشرف الانبياء محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه واله واصحابه واجبازه وذريته واهل بيته تسليما كثيرا كثيرا فما بعد my brothers and sisters usually we are taught history as a narrative of the comings and goings of different dynasties the history of humankind is not taught to us i'm not talking about people who are doing specialist research in certain areas i'm talking about general history as we learn in school for example or college we are not taught about what the poor people in a country were doing although every country every time every age they are the vast majority by any stretch of the imagination we are not taught what they were doing uh, we are not told about the problems that affected society for example take alexander to give you one example when you say alexander you will almost automatically say alexander the great as if you are saying the name of some sahabi was radhiyallahu you don't question to ask what is it that make makes alexander great why do you say alexander the great great why what is alexander's achievement alexander's achievement was that instead of sitting peacefully in his country and living his life out like a decent human being he decided to form an army and invade other countries and rape and pillage and loot his way across the world all the way up to sindh to india so his contribution to mankind is the creation of orphans and widows the raping of women the looting of other people's wealth the destruction of other people's societies this is his contribution and you and i use this term alexander the great without any question as to asking what makes him great why is he great we should ask this question no i mean you are saying great so what what is it that makes him great was he a 10 feet tall 8 feet wide man are you saying great because he was a huge giant or what what great means what we don't ask this question we are like morons we just parrot whatever has been told to us so alexander the great and the same thing i don't want to waste your time mentioning to you example after example but the same thing applies as far as the creators of empires are concerned their main occupation which they did extremely successfully was mass murder they did that very successfully there's a nice movie you should see sometime called fiddler on the roof and there is a song in that movie where this chap is sitting on top of a roof and he's singing the song and he says that if you kill one man it is called murder but if you kill a thousand you are given a medal the reason i'm saying this is that this is a reflection on the kind of society that we have created and all of us are responsible some are responsible because they did something so others are responsible because they never questioned it and they never tried to do anything the opposite of that today we are living in a world 
I travel all over the world. I meet people from different cultures, from different religions. Uh, the vast majority of people I actually meet are not even Muslim. Big majority. In my in my business consulting world, 95% or more of my clients are not Muslims. My Muslim clientele is very small. So I'm talking about my experience of traveling in the world and seeing different cultures, different people. I can probably say without exaggeration that there is probably not one single man or woman in any country, any culture, any religion, any race, any tribe who says that we are living today in a world which is a fantastic place, it's a brilliant society, it's a wonderful place to live in. I don't think there is one single person in the world who will say that irrespective of culture, irrespective of uh, religion, irrespective of uh, nationality or race. I'm not talking about the natural world, the natural world is very beautiful. That's the reason why one of my uh, one of my endeavors which I do when I make sure that I do that uh, is to go away into the bush, into the forest every three to four months, maximum six months, beyond six months if I don't do that I feel as if I'm dying. That's my release, that's my connection with uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, that's my de-stressing time when I go and spend time in the bush. So I'm not talking about that part of our life or the world. I'm talking about our human society, irrespective of where we are living, whichever country, whichever society. We have managed to create a society which is full of stress, which is full of turmoil, which is which lacks in security, a society which is uh, full of all kinds of uncertainties, uh, which is full of uh, all kinds of difficulties. And if you look at every single one of them, Every single one of them is self-created. We created it like that. We made it like that. None of that is a natural phenomenon. Every single one of them is created by us. We have a financial system which is skewed in favor of those who have money. As they say, to make the first million dollars is hard work. From one million to a hundred million is logical. From a hundred million to a billion is inevitable. That's how the financial system is skewed. We did that. We know that interest decreases wealth. And this is not my quote, this is the quote of Narana Murthy of, of uh, Infosys. We know interest destroys wealth, we know interest decreases wealth, we know interest is detrimental to society, but we have kept the uh, interest-based banking system, we support it. We know it is haram. We know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala declared war in His name and in the name of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam against anybody who deals in an interest-based banking system in any way. Rasulullah was asked, what does it mean? He said, the man who takes a loan, the man who gives a loan, and the man who records this contract, who records this deed. Will all three be in the hellfire on the day of judgment? They will be brought before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they will be told that you have accepted a declaration of war from with your Rabb. Here is your Rabb, go fighting. We know all of this. 
none of of what i am telling you is news to you because all of you alhamdulillah you know the ayat of the quran which say all of this you know the hadith which say all of this yet we support that system and what has that system done the subprime banking crisis in the united states which which facilitated the overall global financial collapse was that a natural phenomena was that a, or was it created by who by the poor people was the subprime the prime crisis was it created by the people who good people like you and me hopefully who went to borrow money put their money there to to get a mortgage or a house because that is the only you know that's their resource that's all they have did they precipitate that crisis did they make that crisis or was the crisis made by the bankers yet when the crisis happened when good law abiding decent american citizens were on the street who got the bailout those citizens or bankers i am not giving you anything news you, you know all of this right who got the bailout who should have got the bailout somebody who was a decent law abiding human being he put all his money somewhere he got into the system he is trying to get himself a house he is chucked out on the street for no fault of his if if there is anyone who is worthy of any support from the government that person should get the support but who got the support now i can talk to you endlessly about this i'm not going to do that our political system is exactly the same our education system has globally has collapsed it's the most utterly useless thing that that exists in the name of education our health system you know what our health management systems are illa mashallah except for places and kuwait is one of those places where it is beautifully managed and it is done in a way where people are not fleeced the gov government hospitals are of a very high standard there are handful of countries like this everywhere else doctors have turned into literally highway robbers i'm sorry if there are any doctors in this group please don't be offended i'm i'm telling you the the, the fact as it exists doctors in corporate hospitals in my country are given business targets they are supposed to bring in so much of business how do they do that by prescribing useless tests for you which which you don't need all kinds of scans all kinds of uh, they expose you to all sorts of radioactivity and so on and so forth because they need to make the money i was i get in in our masjid when for etikaf we get a lot of young doctors medicos who come for etikaf so i asked them i said why don't you opt out of the system why do, why don't you say i don't want a commission the man tells me i tell them i don't want a commission he said i personally do not take a commission but he says it's so simple when uh, a person comes for a diagnostic test uh, in some cases the doctors will tell them go to such and such a diagnostic center because that is where they have a kickback from he says for me when i first came into the profession he said i told they asked me where, where should we get the test he said i don't care i'm interested in the test go anywhere he said after a few days i get a representative from diagnostic center name so and so who comes to me with a check of 2 lakhs 200000 rupees he says dr sahab aap ke waste this for you he says what is this he said this is your commission for the number of patients you sent to us So this man says I did not send anybody to you whoever came to me I said to them go anywhere you like I did not send them to you he said no no we know that you did not send them but you know they came anyway to us and because the reference is your name therefore this is your 
commission. So I asked him, what did you do? He said, I tore it up and threw it away. I told him, get out, I don't want to see your face. Then he asked me a question. He told me, tell me how many doctors are there who if they are going to get 2 lakhs, 3 lakhs, 5 lakhs per month for doing nothing, who are going to tear that check up every single month? How many are there? And to make matters worse, we have ulama who have given this fatwa to say, if you didn't ask for it, it is okay. Inna lillahi wa inna So if you did not ask for a bribe, it is okay to accept it. This is Islam. The point I am making here is that this is our society. And <coughs> who created it? We created it. As I told you, this is not rain. It didn't fall. You can't say, well, you know, rain didn't come. What can I do? No. This is our self-made society. We have made it like this. One final figure. World Bank statistics. World Bank published a piece of uh, data which said that 62 people, exact number, 62 people, it is less than the number of people sitting in this room today. 62 people own more than 50 more resources than 50% of the world's population. So if you take the world population at about, what is it now, they say 7 billion or something, so you talk about 3.5 to 4 billion people, 62 people own more wealth than 4 billion people, other people. Now if you are not one of those 62 people, you and I are the other 4 billion. To give you an idea of what is the meaning of 62 people, one regular full-size bus load is 65 people. So it does not even fill one bus. Now is this therefore, at the same time, we have poverty which is at an enormous level. In my country alone, over 300,000 farmers have committed suicide because of poverty. So you've got poverty on one side, which is absolutely rampant in the world, and you have 62 people who are sitting on more resources than 50% of the global population. Is this a problem of resources or is it a problem of compassion? Which one? Is it a problem of resources, lack of resources or lack of compassion? Which one? Now the reason I'm saying all of this is because I want to tell you about the real history of the world the way it should be taught which is to talk about the greatest event that happened in the history of mankind and that event is not one event it happened multiple times that event is the coming of the anbiya alayhi wasalam the prophets of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalal the single biggest most significant event that happened in the history of humankind is the coming, the Basat of the Anbiya alayhim salam of the Nabi and of the Anbiya and the Rasul. Now why is it? Why am I saying that this is the most significant event? For two reasons. Firstly, this is an event where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala communicated directly with mankind through one of the Anbiya. Allah communicated directly with mankind. Each Nabi, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala communicated with him in a different way. With some, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke to them directly. With others, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala communicated them, uh, communicated with them through wahi, uh, through ilham, to different ways in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala suits his majesty and grace. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala communicated with, directly with the anbiya. So this is the first reason why I say that this is a hugely significant event. But obviously it is the creator of all that we know and we don't know who is communicating directly with a human being because every Nabi was a human being. Uh, this is a, obviously it's a, a fantastic and a huge event. Number two reason why this is a fantastic event is because every single Nabi and this is the only the only group of humankind from the time Adam salam came into this world until the last day this is the only group in humankind whose sole purpose of existence was the benefit of other people. Sole purpose was the benefit of other people. Now you might say, well, you know, we are also doing social work, we are also good people, may Allah protect you and may Allah grant you, uh, may Allah accept your work and, and give you strength and so on and so forth. This is not a statement we can make about any of that. Yes, you are doing social work, yes, I am doing social work, whatever I am doing. At the end of the day, we have a personal loop in that, we have a personal gain in that in one way or the other, nothing haram in that. That's perfectly fine to have that. For example, if you say I am running a, a very good business and I am employing 50,000 people and this business is 100% halal and I am doing this business in a very ethical and moral way, then of course you are one of the people, inshallah, who will be forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment. So this is not something bad you are doing. But at the end of the day, you have a personal agenda in that business, you are interested in the welfare of that business, that business feeds your family and so on and so forth. With the Anbiya this was not the case. That is the only group of people in this world. And if you want to go by numbers, Allah Alam, Allah knows the numbers best. We uh, Different numbers have come in, in the hadith. Uh, Allah has mentioned very few in the Quran. Uh, from the hadith we know and of course the ayat of the Quran where Allah said we have sent a Nabi to every Qariya, every place where there was habitation, Allah has sent some Nabi or the other. So, totaling all of that up in one place it says 125,000, another place it says 140,000, whatever it is, take, let us take a, a random figure like 150,000, one and a half lakh. Supposing you say this is the total number of Anbiya alayhi salam, starting from Adam alayhi salam to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi salam, after whom there is no Nabi and no Rasul. If you take the world population and do some numbers and say how many people lived in the world from that day to that day and we can go to the end of the time because Nabi Wasallam came for the rest of mankind until the end of time. How many, now we are talking about trillions, we are not even talking about billions because if you take, if you count all the people whoever lived in the world, you are probably looking at trillions or quadrillions of people. In all those trillions and quadrillions of people, you are talking about 150,000 people. That's like one, one grain of salt in a, in a huge pot of rice. I mean, there's, it is very, very small number of people compared to the rest of the world. So, this is a very special group of people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala communicated with directly and whose single aim and purpose in life was benefit of others. This can be said about every single Nabi. The existence of that Nabi was for the benefit of all of mankind. So I say to you that this is the biggest uh, 
thing and this is how history really should be talked not about alexander the great and you know genghis khan and julius caesar and whoever we talking about people who came for the benefit of humanity not for destroying people not for destroying humanity who came to benefit humanity number one. number two so what did they bring so here you say well you know this is the nabi and this nabi came for the benefit of humanity very good so now take take shoaib alaihi salam we say here is shoaib alaihi salam he came for the benefit of his people he came for the benefit of humanity what was the message of shoaib alaihi salam did he say did he tell the people i have come to you with a uh, a very highly refined form of agriculture i'm going to give you some uh, you know uh, very uh, highly developed uh, seeds and and whatever i mean did he come with that did he say well i've got this uh, fantastic way of animal husbandry or i've got this uh, fantastic uh, architecture that you must build your masajid in which are going to look very beautiful i've got this great system of education i've got this great system of public health what did he come with he said when you weigh when you weigh do it with justice do not deceive people in your weights and measures so what is he talking about here is he talking about business do not deceive people in weights and measures is a statement of business or is it a statement of ethics and values ethics and values right take any nabi what did they come with no nabi came with a system of any material thing to do in this world once again i am not against any material system as long as you are following the laws of islam in this world alhamdulillah by all means do your business do your agriculture there is nothing romantic about poverty be wealthy because then you can also help others or at least that is the theory that's not what actually happens in practice but at least you can do that but the point is that the ambiya didn't come with that the ambiya came to teach us values and morals and ethics this is what they came with and that is why when rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam came what did he teach us he taught us what you hear in the second part of the juma khutbah every juma what is it what is the ayat that you hear second part last part of the khutbah inna allaha ya'muru bil adli wal ihsan verily allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered you to do justice to be just and then do more wal ihsan what is ihsan ihsan is the ultimate the most beautiful the most perfect form of justice to give a person equal to what he or she paid for is justice so if i am buying 1 kg of something and you are charging me 100 rupees and i have given you 100 rupees and you have given me 1 kg this is justice but if you give me a little bit more this is your ihsan on me what did rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam teach us he said when you weigh give more when you weigh give more apply it to customer service customer delight customer loyalty repeat customers what will happen if you do your business in this way where you give the customer a little bit more than what he expects he paid for something 
but you give him something more. What will you get? More customers or less customers? More business or less business? More loyalty or less loyalty? This is the link between Deen and, and Islam. Between Islam and this dunya. I was in Saudi Arabia and uh, I was uh, in Jeddah and I was invited that evening to uh, the house of one of the directors of the IDB. I was in, I, at that time I was also a member of the IDB board in India for giving scholarships to students. So one of the directors of IDB, he invited me for dinner. He, other people also went. So I wanted to buy some perfume to take with me to go to his house. So I went to this perfume shop and at the same time, in those days, my father Rahmatullah was alive, so I, he also liked perfume very much. So I wanted to buy some perfume for my father also. So I went to this shop and I asked this man, I said, do you have the perfume of the Kiswa of the Kaaba? So he smiled and he said, no, that is not one perfume. That The Kiswa of the Kaaba uh, is a combination of several perfumes which are uh, mixed together and so on. So uh, that I don't have. So I said, okay, no problem. So then I went and I picked uh, some perfume for my father. I picked some perfume to take uh, to this uh, gentleman's house. And when I came to the counter, uh, I think I had three or four bottles of perfume. So I put them there. Uh, he charged me for that. I paid it. Then he gives me a bottle of perfume. He said, uh, this is for you. I said, what is this? He said, this is the perfume of the Kiswa of the Kaaba. I said, you, I, I said, you told me you don't have it. He said, no, I didn't have it. I made it for you. He said, I made it for you. I said, how much? He said, wallah, this is gift for you. Hadiyadu. Gift for you. Eh? Who am I? Does he know me? I have no idea who the man is. Some random shopkeeper in Jiddah. Living Islam. Living Islam. To this day, I am not even a repeat customer of his because I forgot where the shop was and you know, may Allah forgive me. But this story I have told in the world. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward him. I remember my father when I gave him this perfume, the kiss of the Kaaba. Ajib. That was enough for me. Alhamdulillah. This is the meaning of living Islam. The Ambiya came to teach this. So the message of the Ambiya was the message of Adil wal Ihsan. I don't know how many of you are aware, and this is the problem also because we. Uh, we don't even know our own religion. May Allah forgive us. The moment anyone talks about Islamic law, the application of the Sharia in any society, you will have the whole society up in arms. Say, no, 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 keep this Sharia out of this place. The Sharia is evil. It means chopping hands. It means this. It means that. But how many of you have said to people, uh, for that matter, how many of you know this? That the Sharia is the only criminal law in the world 
of any legal system in which there is scope for forgiveness of the culprit forgiveness of the criminal it's legal it's it's a legally valid part of the sharia law that a criminal may be forgiven by the victim how come we never talk about this when we talk about about sharia law to through the world there is no other legal system in the world where it may be a very just system i'm not saying they are, all the legal systems are unjust except the sharia no they have good legal systems but there is no legal system where if a man commits murder and we say this is a just system the punishment for murder is this whatever that may be maybe it's a, a capital punishment maybe it is life imprisonment maybe whatever it is this is the punishment for murder and i come and say look this man murdered my child this man murdered my father i forgive him this is sorry excuse me you are a nice man we like you know good good of you to say that but you have no role to play in this matter anymore because now it is between the state and the criminal this is the difference between civil law and criminal law in india when the when the, the bill came for uh making triple talaq into a, a criminal offense you know a lot of our ulama they said yeah this is a very good idea which is absolutely stupid thing to say because you don't understand the difference between civil law and criminal law the moment you turn a civil offense into a criminal offense it you bring the state into the matter the state is then the prosecutor the public prosecutor prosecutes that case it is between the state and the citizen it is no longer between me and you in civil law it is between two parties and the judge is deciding whereas you make it a criminal case it becomes it's a, it's a different kind of law altogether so there is no criminal law in the world where the victim is a part of the the victim is not a part of the game now the state is arguing on behalf of the victim but the victim has no say in the matter in the sharia the victim has a say in the matter right to the end i'm taking the case of murder as because that's the most serious crime in murder the victim has the right to accept uh diya which is uh, blood money instead of uh, the life of the person or the victim has the opportunity to completely forgive the person altogether and say whatever happened happened khalas we are not interested in this matter anymore we forgive this person uh, and alhamdulillah we are uh, happy with the qadar of allah subhanahu wa taala the victim can actually say that this is the meaning of adil wal ihsan adil is to give the punishment ihsan is to forgive this is the message of the anbiya adil wal ihsan there is no scope for lack of adil for example there is no uh, scope somewhere to say you know you yeah you should do justice but if you do a little bit of injustice it's okay there is no such thing adil wal ihsan now reason i'm saying this is very simple because therefore it brings me to the point to say that if the anbiya alaihi wasallam came to teach us values and ethics and morals they came to teach us integrity the first step of integrity is tawhid the first step of honesty is tawhid la ilaha illallah muhammad rasulullah because integrity and honesty is to accept that there is no one worthy of worship except allah subhanahu wa taala jalla jalalu 
and if anyone is doing other than that then this person is obviously doing injustice with Allah nobody can do injustice to Allah but he is doing injustice with his role as a slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so if we accept that this is what the Anbiya came to do then in one way we can say that they came to build character of people now why is that important because I mentioned to you the kind of world we have now let us imagine in an imaginary world which should not be imaginary because that's what the Ambiya came to actually create and put into practice in an imaginary world take one for example the hadith of Rasulullah Rasulullah said that no matter how many how much salah you pray no matter how much uh, how many fasts you fast no matter what you do if your neighbor goes to bed hungry you are not even a Muslim if your neighbor goes to bed hungry you are not even a Muslim there's a famous story of Abdullah bin Mubarak the, the one of the greatest of the Tabi'in uh, where he said and he wrote this story himself he narrated this incident Abdullah bin Mubarak said that he said I was resting near the Kaaba after Hajj he said I had finished Hajj and everything people had gone away and he said I was resting near the Kaaba I had fallen asleep when I in my dream I saw two angels and these two angels were speaking to one another and one of them said this year Allah did not accept the Hajj of anybody so Abdullah Mubarak said I was very <coughs> I got very worried because I also made Hajj this year and this angel is saying Allah did not accept anybody's Hajj the other angel said if it was not for and he named the man this man who is a cobbler who is a who repairs shoes he said if it was not for this man then Allah would not have accepted the Hajj of anybody but this year Allah accepted the Hajj of everyone because of this one man so Abdullah Mubarak said I got even more you know curious and concerned about this thing he says on the one hand he says Allah did not accept anybody's hajj the other one says Allah actually accepted the hajj not because the hajj was good but because of this one man and they, the, that angel mentioned this person and he said this is somebody who lives in Damascus in such a place so Abdullah ibn Mubarak went from Makkah to Damascus in search of this man and he asked around and so on finally he found the man so he knocked on his door, he, the man, he met him, greeted him and he said to the man, did you do Hajj this year? The man said, no. So Abdullah Mubarak said, this, uh, now this is even more strange. Because here I have got this dream that Allah accepted the Hajj of everyone because of this one man's Hajj. But this man said, I never did Hajj. So Abdullah Mubarak said, what kind of thing is this? I mean, how why did you not do Hajj? The man started crying. So Abdullah Mubarak said, this is like getting from, you know, becoming stranger and stranger, everything. Every time I talk something, it becomes even more peculiar. He said, why are you crying? He said, it's a different story. I'm crying because I saved up all my life to do Hajj, but I could not do Hajj. So Abdullah Mubarak said, please tell me the story. What is this story? Why is it that you saved up all your life, you had the money, but you could not do Hajj? Why? 
the man said look the story is very simple i am a poor man it took me all these years to save up enough money to go for hajj i did all of that i was ready to go for hajj i was going around my community meeting people before going for hajj asking for their dua so he said i went from this house to that house to that house he said finally towards the evening i came to the house of my neighbor and i could smell this roast mutton roast meat aroma so he said i had you know my mouth started i started salivating i had my mouth was watering with this wonderful smell of uh, roast meat so anyway he said i knocked on the door my neighbor came out uh, i told him look i'm going for hajj and jazakallah khairan that i know if i've done anything wrong please forgive me and so on and so forth as we normally say the neighbor he said may allah take you and safely and you know may allah accept your hajj and so on and so forth and then the neighbor was about to close the door so this man said this uh, cobbler he said you know i he's my neighbor so i told him almost half jokingly i said what is this you are cooking this wonderful meat and you want to invite me to have uh, the meal with you he said the man started crying he said why are you crying he said i'm sorry if i offended you i i'm just you know jokingly you are my neighbor you are my friend so you are cooking this food i can smell this lovely aroma so i asked you aren't you going to ask me to come and share with you he said this food i cannot give you because this food for me is halal but for you it is not halal so this cobbler said this is a strange thing how how can the food be halal for you and not halal for both of us are muslims huh how can it be halal for you and not halal for me he said i'll tell you how he said me and my family we have not eaten for four days we had no food to eat he said today i was in searching for a job or something i am not able to get any work we had not eaten for four days my children everybody he said i was passing by a place and i saw a dead donkey so i cut some meat from this dead donkey and i brought it home because we are starving and my wife cooked that meat that is what you are smelling obviously this food is halal for us because we are starving we are at this point in time but it is not halal for you i can't give it to you this cobbler said i went home i took the money which i had collected for hajj i brought it and i gave it to the man i said please take this please take this money because you are my neighbor and you have not eaten for four days i did not even know so please forgive me i did not know but now that i know take this money The man said, "This is your Hajj money." He said, "Yes." He said, "You can't go for Hajj." He said, "No." He said, "When will you go?" He said, "When Allah wants." Don't worry. Just take this money. Abdullah bin Mubarak, Rabbi Rahmatullah, Ali said to him, "Let me give you a good news." And then he told him the story of his dream, and he says, "Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, Insha Allah, has accepted all our Hajj, the Hajj of everyone who came for Hajj in that year because of you, and you did not even do Hajj." This is Islam. This is the message of the Ambiya Alayhi Musallam. The reason I'm asking you this question, and I'm going to end now in another two or three minutes, is how much of time and attention and energy and money and resources do we spend on inculcating these values in ourselves and in our children? is compassion a subject that is taught in your school 
is compassion and charity a subject which is taught in your madaris i'm not talking about the uh, usul of uh, zakat i'm not talking about the calculations i'm talking about compassion is compassion something that we practice on a daily basis is do you ever take your children out into a poor area and say come let us go and make iftar with those people i know a lot of you give a lot of food for iftar a lot of you pay a lot of money for food iftar hampers to be given to poor people in different countries in your home countries and so on i know you do all of that alhamdulillah you support a lot of kuwait kuwait is probably one of the uh, you know most charitable countries in the world kuwait charities and kuwaitis and uh, expats here they they support a lot of charity all over the world may allah accept this charity from you may allah give you great reward for this i'm not talking about that i'm saying do you go personally and sit in that house and eat with those people do you know that this is this is how zakat is to be given by all means you can write a check to an organization the organization can give that zakat provided they are giving it to people to whom for whom the zakat is valid zakat is not regular social social welfare money it's not regular charity so whichever organization is giving it is, is distributing zakat must distribute it only to the people who are eligible to receive the zakat and that is your personal responsibility to ensure that this happens it is the donor's responsibility you can't write a check and say i don't know what is happening i have given it no 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 your zakat will not be valid if that has not been distributed properly it is your job to make sure it happens so that's a different issue i am saying personally what is the hukum for zakat personally the hukum for zakat is go at least even if you don't give all of it at least some of it go personally and give it don't tell them this is zakat money but go and give it why because it is allah subhanahu wa taala's intention that you should see what that poor person's life is like when you go there when you you are coming from a beautiful air conditioned environment you are driving there in your rolls royce but when you go and sit in that house that house has never seen a fan they are sitting in 45 degrees temperature they have they have enough water to drink they maybe they bathe once in two or three days not because they are dirty people but because there is no water now you have taken some zakat money to give it there you are sitting there you have taken some food for them for iftar they are also fasting you are also fasting you are fasting in your air conditioning and you are getting dehydrated because of air conditioning they are de- getting dehydrated because of the sun but when you go and eat with them then you understand the meaning of poverty and the intention of islam is then you will say no no hold on a second this zakat money is not enough i must do something to change the lives of these people so i am going to dig a well in this in this village i did not know this i had not intended now that i have come here i am going to do that do you have a school you don't have a school okay i'm going to put a school here do you have a masjid this is i'm going to repair this masjid do you have a hospital i'm going to set up a private health center now you came here to give some zakat but alhamdulillah allah has given you wealth you are able to do all that you take care of this entire village all of these people benefit muslim or not muslim this is the intention of islam this is the intention of islam that's why it has been told to us go and give that zakat personally don't by all means write some checks and so forth i'm not against that i'm saying at least some of it take your children with you take your children with you go and walk through that dirt go and sit in those places go and get bitten by those mosquitoes go and get go and eat that food where a fly might sit on this food because that is their daily life you are doing it one day inshallah in order to please allah allah will be pleased with you that is their daily life and the reason you are told to do that is because inshallah almost that 
compassion will come in your heart and you will say no 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 i have to change this i cannot how can i come back home and sleep comfortably in my bed knowing that there is another brother or sister of mine who is sleeping in such conditions in that place i'm not saying build them a house like yours that is not necessary but at least take care of basic needs do we have this as part of our education system do we have this in our schools do we have this in our madaris do we have this in our universities we are focused on getting grades we are focused on we say my college school has got 100% results what does it mean it means you got a bunch of of kids who mugged up we have got this in in, in india we have got these uh, examination factories all they do is make you memorize stuff and regurgitate it like vomit and as long as you have vomited exactly what you ate without any processing you are given 100% marks that is education that is a that is trash that's a joke that's a bad joke on education education means to train the heart education means to bring compassion in the heart education means to be charitable and education means to stand for justice education means to do ihsan inna allah yamuru bil adli wal ihsan i remind you and myself my brother and sister the idea of sitting here is my idea is not to give a lecture your idea is not to listen to a lecture both of our ideas both of our maqsad and purpose is to implement this in our lives so going forward from today please make sure that you bring in these things into your school curriculums into madaris curricula into your homes make compassion a part of the upbringing of your children because remember if they are not taught compassion one day you will be in a position where you will need their compassion which they don't have and they do not have it because you never allowed that compassion to come up you focus them on making money so when it comes now to taking care of the old mother or the old father or looking after my career the old mother or the old father will be shunted off into an old people's home because sorry we can't afford this thing now anymore and my career is more important when you are sitting in that old people's home don't curse the child look in the mirror and curse the one you see in the mirror because you are the cause of that you never allowed that compassion to develop in the heart of the child because you kept the child focused on these numbers and this and this and this and make more money and career and what not and you never taught them compassion so today when you are in a position where you need compassion sorry it is not there because you never created it don't do that to yourself i ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalaluhu to be pleased with you and never to be displeased to accept your sawm and your qiyam and your tilawat al quran ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept your salah to accept your charities we increase you in that and to fill your heart with compassion and kindness with to fill his heart with your noor and your life and, and your life is with barakah i ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make you the flag bearers of creating compassionate societies wherever you go in this country in whichever country you live in wa sallallahu ala rabbil karim wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajmain bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin